Good morning, my name is Denise, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the AutoNation First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. I would now election call over to Rob Cortero, Vice President of Investor Relations. You may begin your conference. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to AutoNation's first quarter 2021 conference call and webcast. Please ensure that your lines are muted until the operator announces your turn to ask a question. Leading our call today will be Mike Jackson, our Chief Executive Officer, and Joe Lauer, our Chief Financial Officer. Following their remarks, we will open up the call for questions. I will be available by phone following the call to address any additional questions that you may have. Before we begin, let me read our brief statement regarding forward-looking comments. Certain statements and information on this call, including any statements regarding our anticipated financial results and objectives, constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Federal Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Such forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks that may cause our actual results or performance to differ materially from such forward-looking statements. Additional discussions of factors that could cause our actual results to differ materially are contained in our press release issued earlier today and in our SEC filings, including our most recent annual report on Form 10-K and subsequent quarterly reports on Form 10-Q and current reports on Form 8-K. And now I'll turn the call over to AutoNation's Chief Executive Officer, Mike Jackson. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Today, we reported all-time record quarter results with adjusted EPS from continuing operations of $2.79, an increase of 207% compared to last year. These outstanding results were driven by strong performance in new, used, and customer financial services, and disciplined expense management. Demand continues to exceed supply for new vehicles, and we expect this to continue through 2021, in part due to the production disruption. More importantly, low interest rates and consumer preference for vehicle ownership versus ride-sharing and public transportation are supporting demand. We expect our shipments from the manufacturers to double in the second quarter compared to the prior year. AutoNation same-store new vehicle units were up 22% year-over-year and up 12% compared to 2019. We remain focused on our pre-owned vehicle procurement strategy. Nearly 90% of our pre-owned vehicles retailed in the first quarter were self-sourced, meaning we acquired through trade-ins, lease returns, will buy your car, or service loaners, and avoided auctions. Acquiring vehicles at the right price speed to the front line, a fair one-price environment, and leading digital capabilities are a winning formula for our customers, which shows in our results. AutoNation same-store pre-owned units were up 28% year-over-year and 20% compared to 2019. We continue to leverage our digital capabilities to drive cost reductions and increase efficiency. Tools like Customer 360, which has over 10 million active customer records, enable us to provide a truly comprehensive and personal experience for our customers, which leads to higher close rates and increased vehicle sales. 
These efforts allowed us to deliver adjusted SG&A as a percent of gross profit of 62.7% in the first quarter of 2021, which represents a 1,120 basis point improvement compared to the first quarter of 2020. Our target is to operate at or below 65% SG&A as a percent of gross profit for 21. We are committed to our business growth strategy through investment in our existing franchise business, expansion of AutoNation USA, and future acquisitions. We are on track to open five new AutoNation USA stores in 2021 and 12 additional new stores in 2022. Our target is to have over 130 AutoNation USA stores in operation from coast to coast by the end of 2026. Today, we announced that we signed an agreement to acquire 11 stores and one collision center for Peacock Automotive Group in Hilton Head and Columbia, South Carolina, and Savannah, Georgia, representing approximately $380 million in annual revenue. The brands acquired are Porsche, Jag, Land Rover, Audi, Subaru, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Volkswagen, and Hyundai. This acquisition will increase AutoNation's footprint from coast to coast to over 325 locations, and is set to close in the summer. We have set the target to sell 1 million combined new and pre-owned vehicles annually. AutoNation remains committed to delivering value to our shareholders, which includes opportunistic share repurchase. During the quarter, we bought back 3.8 million shares, or 5% of our shares outstanding. I will now turn the call over to Joe, Bauer, our Chief Financial Officer. Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everyone. Today we reported adjusted net income from continuing operations of $234 million, or $2.79 per share, versus $82 million, or $0.91 per share during the first quarter of 2020. This represents an all-time high quarterly EPS and a 207% increase, increase year-over-year. During the quarter, we sold our remaining stake in Broom for a gain of approximately $6 million after tax, or $0.07 cents per share, which was excluded from our adjusted results. Turning to operations, our first quarter same-store revenue increased $1.3 billion, or 27%, compared to the prior year due to strong growth in new, used, and customer financial services. While prior year comparisons are impacted by the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, we continue to see strong consumer demand exceed supply for new vehicles. Given this backdrop, we remain focused on optimizing our business in the current environment. For the quarter, same store total variable growth profit increased 52% year over year, driven by an increase in total combined units of 25%, and an increase in total variable PBR of $767, or 21%. Our customer care business continues to gradually improve, with same-store customer care gross profit increasing 1% year-over-year. Taken together, our same-store total gross profit increased 27% compared to the prior year. Moving to costs, first quarter SG&A as percentage of gross profit was 62.7%, as Mike stated, a 1,120 basis point improvement compared to the year ago period. This strong performance was driven by a combination of strict cost discipline, 
leverage of our digital capabilities, and healthy vehicle margins. As measured against gross profit, overhead decreased 590 basis points, compensation decreased 320 basis points, and advertising decreased 210 basis points. Based on current business conditions, we project SG&A as a percentage of gross profit to be at or below 65% for the full year 2021. Floor plan interest expense decreased to $9 million in the first quarter of 2021 due to lower interest rates and lower average floor plan balances. This, combined with lower non-vehicle interest expense, a lower effective tax rate, and fewer shares outstanding generated record-adjusted EPS. Regarding our balance sheet and liquidity, we have ample capacity to continue investing in our business, including our AutoNation USA expansion, as well as opportunistic share repurchases and acquisitions. Our cash balance at quarter end was $350 million, which combined with our additional borrowing capacity resulted in total liquidity of approximately $2.1 billion. Our covenant leverage ratio of debt to EBITDA declined to 1.3 times at the end of the first quarter, down from 1.8 times at the end of the fourth quarter. Including cash and used floor plan availability, our net leverage ratio was 1.1 times at the end of March. Our AutoNation USA expansion continues to provide a very attractive growth opportunity. During the first quarter, our five existing AutoNation U.S. stores generated over $3 million in pre-tax profit. As Mike referenced earlier, we plan to open five new stores by the end of this year and 12 new stores in 2022, and targeting over 130 total locations by the end of 2026. We're also excited to welcome Peacock Automotive Group to the AutoNation family, and we will continue to look for attractive acquisitions that complement our portfolio and, re and meet our return thresholds. During the first quarter, we purchased 3.8 million shares of common stock for an aggregate price of $306 million. We have approximately $892 million of remaining board authorization for share repurchases and approximately 80 million shares outstanding. Looking ahead, we will continue our disciplined capital allocation strategy, utilizing our strong balance sheet, robust cash flow generation, and ample liquidity to invest in our business and drive long-term shareholder value. With that, I'll turn the call back over to Mike. Thank you, Joe. We had another impressive and record-breaking quarter. We remain focused on delivering a peerless customer experience with industry-leading digital capabilities and outstanding associate interactions. Our commitment to the customer experience is why we're number one the J.D. Power Dealer of Excellence Recognition Program for the third year in a row. Less than 2% of all U.S. franchise dealers achieve this honor. 78 AutoNation stores representing over 20% of our dealerships were recognized. Our associates did not let the pandemic interfere with their ability to provide a great experience. They were in the stores and in the offices to meet the needs of our customers. I want to thank each of them who show up every day for our customers and each other. With that, I'm delighted to take any questions. Okay, at this time, I'd like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to call the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Rajat Gupta with JP Morgan. Your line is open. 
So, hi, uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions, and, and congrats on a really strong quarter. Um, you know, I, I just had a question, you know, on, you know, is it the supply, uh, the day supply? It, it dropped pretty materially from the fourth quarter to first quarter. You know, you're obviously sourcing a lot, you know, directly from consumers and outside the auction. Um, just curious as to, you know, how do you see that low day supply end of the quarter, you know, impacting your second quarter growth? Um, are you able to sustain uh, the first quarter kind of growth into April? Uh, do you expect that to continue here in the second quarter based on, you know, how strong the demand is? You're just curious as to how much of the constraint is, is the supply right now, uh, but both on new and news. Thanks. There's no question that there, that there is uh, more uh, demand than supply. That is the headline on the new vehicle side. Um, day supply is tight, but um, shipments and production are disrupted uh, with the chip crisis and will be for the rest of the year. But it's nothing like a year ago during the pandemic when we had the factory, factory shutdowns. Uh, you know, our shipments, this second quarter will be double what they were a year ago. So it's on the margin as far as shipments, but the headline is um, more demand than supply. We've adjusted pricing to reflect that, and you see the improvement in our front-end growth. Uh, the demand uh, for personal transportation is across the board from price point of $5,000 to $500,000, and um, we've aggressively moved to increase our availability on pre-owned, you see that, and we have the capability to source 90% of what we retail uh, ourselves, and that's a core capability. So the marketplace is good in our combination to perform within that of a brand, great experience, digital platform, and operating execution, which includes how we acquire and speed the market, and we can do it profitably, um, is all uh, to the benefit of AutoNation. We're in a very good position. Got it. So, so it looks like the, the, the trends on, like, just the same store comps here, uh, if he's comparing versus 2019 levels, I mean, that's continued here into April, or uh, have you seen any, any, any slowdown here at all, or is it pretty, still pretty solid? The, the demand is very strong. I've been saying it for over a year that there's been a pivot, a seismic shift. You picked the word, uh, but the American spirit is that they want individual transportation, the individual personal vehicle. They want to decide where they go when, who's with them, who's been in the vehicle before them, and who's been in the vehicle after them. And I think this, this uh, demand shift towards personal vehicle is very strong. You also see it in the housing industry that people want a bigger, more comfortable home uh, with more electronics in it, hence the competition for chips between the home industry and the automobile industry. And, of course, uh, underpinning all this is very attractive interest rates for our customers, which so the, the demand we expect to last for the rest of the year, interest rates will be low for the rest of the year, the chip result or disruption will be there for the rest of the year. Uh, so I think it continues. Just, just to follow up, you know, on capital capital allocation, uh, pretty aggressive buybacks here in the last couple of quarters. 
uh, in order we also started to ramp up some you know m a activity um could you give us a sense of you know how we expect how we should expect the balance of capital allocation to be you know going forward i mean do we see a, a bigger pivot towards m a and just on the m a side if you could comment on you know what the pipeline is looking like you know how the valuations are looking like therefore assets uh, would be helpful uh, that would be all for my end thank you Joe, can you take that, please? Sure. Uh, so to start out, um, extremely strong cash flow, which is where you have to start that discussion. So uh, $278 million of free cash flow out of the quarter, so we're generating extremely strong cash. Our first priority is always going to be reinvesting in the business. Um, again, we've come out and communicated expectations on Auto Nation USA in a general timetable and kind of giving you a sense, on average, about $10 million a store. Uh, in addition, um, we are going to continue to be opportunistic and M&A. Uh, we do have a high threshold for both financial and I'll call it strategic cultural fit, but we're very encouraged by what we're seeing in the marketplace, remain disciplined, and still believe that our stock represents an attractive uh, value. And uh, given the strong free cash flow, extremely strong balance sheet, we continue uh, expect to continue to have a very balanced deployment across all those categories. Obviously, the hardest predict is the M&A, uh, but that is going to be opportunistic based on situation. Got it. Got it. Okay, that's uh, that, that's really helpful. Uh, thanks again, and good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Brett Jordan with Jeffries. Your line is open. Um, thinking about your used retail sourcing going forward, I, I think you mentioned not always sourced in-house, but, you know, given the current environment, should we expect to see a shift in how these used vehicles are sourced? And, I mean, I guess said another way, there's a slowdown in, in trade-ins from, you know, maybe uh, a lack of new vehicle supply. Should we expect to see more sourcing from off-lease and direct-to-customers? And um, is there ample opportunity in, in both those channels? Yeah, we, we we intend to source um, everywhere aggressively and have the capability to do all of that and have to be prepared to deal with any developments in the marketplace that um, would be a challenge. We're very excited about our direct purchases from consumers, uh, which are now running over 5000 per month. Um, and we expect to continue to grow that. So clearly our ability to acquire pre-owned uh, is a core capability, acquire them at the right place. More importantly, we have a system and a process that we can recondition to a very high standard, both cost-effectively and very quickly, and have them frontline ready, and therefore run a very high turn rate on our pre-owned inventory. So um, we're in a good place with a brand. All our pre-owned is one price with consumers love. Uh, we have a great digital platform where everything is listed, and we have a speed to market and a core ability to acquire pre-owned. So we're very confident and optimistic about the future of our pre-owned business. Hence the decision to um, lay out the additional years of our investment in the USA stores. That will take us to 130 USA stores in operation by the end of 2026. 
Okay, great. And um, thinking about estimated growth, Q1 was another really great quarter in that respect. And, and obviously a portion of that is due to the higher gross profit you're putting up. Um, but it looks like you updated expectations for the year uh, to 65% from I think your prior target was below 68%. And I'm just wondering what opportunities you're seeing there that contributes to that updated outlook. Joe, could you please take that? Sure. So um, really seeing the deployment of our digital tools both in the uh, stores and in the back office really helping, um, where we're seeing uh, greater leverage both in overhead and compensation at advertising. So as we kind of look across all three categories, we've seen significant improvement. I believe the only kind of difference is very little comp, which actually increased, which is understandable given the strong growth. But if you look at the underlying drivers, we've continued to see uh, the benefits of strict discipline, fewer heads, while we're spending on advertising, lower discretionary spend. When we now look out the rest of the year, we have a high degree of confidence that we can drive that into that 65% range and below. So it really is leveraging the tools that we put in place and it's maintaining the discipline on cost going forward. Okay, great. Thank you very much for taking my questions. Your next question comes from Stephanie Benjamin with Truist. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I think following up on your, the question uh, that was just asked, I wanted to hear a little bit more about the updated USA store um, investment. I believe, you know, expanded not only the store account, but it sounds like um, accelerated the timeline as well. So we'd love to hear, you know, what, happened really over the last couple of months that gave you the confidence that to accelerate the plans was it the performance of your existing stores, the overall market? would love to get more color on, on what was behind that, this decision. Thanks. So um, the performance of the existing stores is outstanding and uh, continues to develop really well. Uh, Joe, I think the operating profit of the existing stores was $3 million for the quarter. Is that correct? Correct, exceeded three million. Exceeded three million in the quarter. Now, as far as what we just announced, we we really had already announced um, 21 and 22, and I think there's only a slight difference in in the store count in those two years. And what we really announced today was what we're building uh, from 23 through the end of 26, uh, and it's that's just uh, an expression of our confidence that we really have this combination figured out, uh, and uh, not to be repetitive, but it's important, uh, the brand, one price, digital platform, operating skills, speed to market. USA stores are really a reconditioning center that we can, when we acquire vehicles, it's an acquisition point, but a reconditioning center uh, for pre-owned and for speed to market, and it's a delivery center, uh, and we're able to build those very cost-effectively and with a very reasonable ramp to profitability. Joe, you, what would you like to add to that on the USA source? I think the only thing I would add, Mike, is just underlying that is the success we've had in procuring vehicles, which is where it all starts. If you go back just a year, you know, 80% of our procurement was self-sourced. And as uh, you cited earlier in Q1, we're up to 90%. And I think the skills we've learned in procuring vehicles directly from customers really is a differentiator in the marketplace and something we think we can leverage going further, going forward. 
Great, that's really helpful. And then mostly just a, a follow-up question. Um, I don't believe you called out, but any kind of impact this quarter from the weather events in Texas, if you could kind of um, quantify that in any way or anything that you saw, or do you feel like most of that uh, most of that was recovered at least at some point later on and, and you know, call it March or so? Yes, um, I think I said at the time that um, – you know, it was, a, it was a huge challenge for Texas, but it's one of the most um, resilient uh, fight-back uh, states in the country, and they really got the state of Texas moving quickly. And I think whatever disruption we had, we were able to recover. Uh, Joe, you would know the actual numbers, but... It's I don't like think there was a material impact one way or the other. No, there really wasn't. And if anything, we did better than the market in Texas, I think, is we kind of demonstrated our ability to navigate that. Great. Well, thank you so much. Your next question comes from the line of uh, Rick and Nelson with Stevens. Your line is open. Thanks. Uh, good morning. And uh, my congrats on a great uh, quarter. Thank it's you. Curious, uh, uh, the, the new cars, I same store units, uh, up 22%, uh, up 12% compared to 2019. Are you, in fact, uh, outpacing the industry? What, what do you think uh, retail uh, did, did in the, the first quarter? I think we are at or close to retail SAR for uh, new vehicles in the quarter. I think we've clearly outperformed on pre-owned. Um, so there it is. Uh, we clearly, with limited supply, are have made the decision on new to hold margin. There's no reason to rush things out the door. You can't easily replace it. So we've increased front-end gross margins on new considerably. But on pre-owned, while front-end margins are excellent, we clearly have gone for volume uh, and feel the demand is there. And are those customers who are looking for a different price point or not open to paying what's being asked for new vehicles, and we shift them to a pre-owned, which we have and we can and do replace. So that's how we're moving through this situation. But the headline is there's significant demand, significant sustainable demand, and we are Moving with market, I would say, on volume, but doing an excellent job on front-end gross margin, on new, and have, are going for volume and pre-owned, hence plus 28%. <laughs> and I, the SG&A, the target, 65% uh, or below, I'm curious what that assumes in terms of uh, GPU. Do you, do you think you're going to be able to hang on to these? outside strategy to use as we move through the year. Yeah, 
So, uh, again, our front-end gross on new moved from 4% to 6%. Is that correct, Joe? I, I, we've been at 6% before in the past. It's not like we're at some unprecedented level or some unreasonable level. Um, so, And there's a very active discussion by the manufacturers about uh, having some discipline uh, uh, and 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 maybe, as I've been advocating for 15 years, running a different balance between demand and supply would be intelligent. So we'll see. But the question won't be answered until 2022. I mean, there is going to be more demand than supply for the balance of this year. Yeah, the, the supply challenge might be, do you think the worst is behind us or uh, you know, does it become more problematic uh, as the year unfolds? So, look, from my perspective in my world, the worst was the, the factory shutdowns uh, literally a year ago for six, eight, ten weeks, depending on the manufacturer, and then a, and then a very, very gradual resumption. What we face with the chip is absolutely nothing like that. Um, the, what, what is very interesting at the moment is how much of our incoming shipments are pre-sold. So shipments are somewhat disrupted, and uh, they can't run everything at 100%, but um, it's twice as good as it was a year ago. But I sort of think the way it is now is the way it's going to be the rest of the year from everything I hear from the manufacturers. They really do not have a clear sight line to higher levels of production. So we probably are running the plan that we have right now, which is get good front-end grosses on new and go for the volume in pre-owned, and that seems to be a very winning equation in this environment. That, uh, that makes sense. Uh, thanks, and good luck. Thank you. Your next question comes from John Murphy with Bank of America. Your line is open. Hey, Mike. Uh, good morning. Um, good morning. Joe. Just wanted to just, just wanted to follow up real quickly on that um, your comment that you made about at the automakers. I mean, it, it, what the dealer body, including our nation, is doing is miraculous, right? With the, the level of inventories um, being so low. I mean, you know, selling sixteen seven in the first quarter in the industry at large. Um, you know, mostly retail, not a lot of fleet. So just curious, I mean, do you really think that they – I mean, is there a discussion that you're having and that they're having to finally understand this balance? Because they're making a whole lot more money too, right? It's not just you. Um, they, they are too. I mean, it, it, are there rumblings of that, or, or is it just still TV? No, no. I've been having this conversation for 30-plus years from my days of running Mercedes yeah. to my days here at AutoNation, and I think for the first time ever I can see – a lively, constructive um, conversation about this issue. I mean, in the past, it was always theoretical, and I would never wish for this pandemic. Uh, it's a horrific, horrible uh, thing that we're going through. But if you ever wanted a case study of what the world looks like if you did it different, uh, this past year and this moment and all of this year will be it. And the list of benefits uh, both at the manufacturer, supplier, and retail uh, level with a little adjustment here and there 
is considerable and it's long. So resales and and on top of that, a big part of that is um, trade-in values for consumers is excellent. That's one of the ways this situation uh, is working for everyone, from the consumer through the manufacturer. So look, it's it's force majeure at the moment because the, the chips simply aren't there and they're not going to be there in any meaningful way for some time compared to the demand. Uh, but I think, John, at the end of the day, um, there could be a new way forward. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very encouraging. Um, second quick question on acquisitions. Um, you know, it seems like pricing is going up dramatically. Um, this is a very blunt way that we model stuff of 15 to 30% of uh, price to sales just in our cash flow statements and our models. Um, Joe, you know, how should we think about that roughly? Is that range about right these days? Because look, some of these, you know, numbers seem like they're a bit higher than that on, on price to sales. Um, but yeah, how should we think about that in modeling? It's, it's a tough thing for us to do because not a lot of information is closed, but just how should we think about it? Yeah, I'd say we generally think more about it as a multiple of EBITDA than revenue. And it's kind of in that uh, high single digit range. And returns are, are mid teens. Got it. Okay. That's very helpful. Um, and then just, you know, on, on the Automation USA um, expansion, you know, it, it seems like you'll be at 22 stores, I think, by the end of 2022, if my, my count is correct. So it'll be, you know, 27 per year uh, for the next, you know, four years after that. Um, that's a heavy pace. I mean, I'm sure on the capital front, you know, on the inventory front, I'm confident you guys could pull it off. But human capital is, is always a question, right? So, I mean, how do you how do you ramp up those GMs um, of those stores and, and staff of those stores? That's a, that's a lot of hiring um, with people that are, you know, tasked with, you know, a lot of, you know, expensive inventory. Now, your spot on this was um, there's, there's two critical paths as far as, uh, sustaining that level of growth, um, and it's uh, both management uh, and the ability to build the stores on the right side for right locations. And we've been hard at work at that uh, for the past two years, uh, and it's the reason why we waited to say something publicly until we were absolutely convinced that we could do it. So on on the human capital side, we have AutoNation General Manager University, which is an internal development uh, capability that uh, general management within the company is trained and developed. High potential future general, ma- general managers are identified years ahead of time and go into development programs. And the development programs has a big component around pre-owned cars. And running um, and leading a USA store is something now that's aspired to within the company. Everybody sees the success that they are. So we have a development pipeline of talent that we will f- promote from within to lead these stores. Okay. Uh, and, and then just lastly, um, parking service is still not getting a lot of airtime or ink. You know, historically that's been, you know, the key driver of the, of the business. You get UIOs in, you, you, you know, you, you run the parking service business off them. Um, you know, when do you think we, we see an inflection point there? And is there a lot of deferred maintenance that, you know, second half this year, early next year, it really pops back up? Because, I mean, if what's going on right now continues and then you get that kicker of um, parts and service, I mean, it just seems like nuclear fuel um, to earnings and cash flow. And just, you know, when do you think that kicks in? 
Uh, so first, in principle, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, although in the past year, the number of miles driven uh, was reduced, uh, depending on the period of time you pick, and as such, the, the pent-up need for maintenance was reduced proportionally to that. But uh, it, there is a, a point coming, and Joe, you've done the calculations backwards and forwards several times. Uh, yeah, would you describe where we are for the first quarter, and and where do you think it goes from here? As we said, it, it continues to recover. Uh, first quarter uh, customer care growth was positive percent, which is a continuation of the progress of really month by month. Uh, the areas that are, are recovering the fastest, not surprisingly, are, are customer pay. Uh, it's the internal work as far as uh, prepping cars. Uh, warranty and collision has a trail, as we've mentioned, and it really is tied to that miles driven, but we continue to see sequential monthly improvement. Um, but that's that's been the laggard. We do expect that that will continue to improve over the course of this year, which will help all of our customer care business. So March was our best best month we've seen in a while. We've continued to see a positive trend. So, so it, would be, it would be fair to say we're, we're, we're just the precipice of a positive inflection point, but how positive it is is, is still TBD. That, that, that would be the way you characterize it. Is that fair? Thank you, fair. All right, thank you very much, guys. Your next question comes from Adam Jonas with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Thanks, everybody. Um, hey, Mike, I'd I like to ask you long-term questions because you you just got such an unbelievable experience, and uh, we all value your views. Um, so Volvo is trying to go direct to consumer with their EVs, right, Mike? I'm sure you, you've mm -hmm. been following that. Why, in your opinion, would they want to do that? Can you see the motivation from their perspective? And, you know, you think they could be successful or should they just, are they, are they nuts? That's my first question. Yeah, to be polite, um, yeah, they're nuts. Thank you, Adam, for allowing me to say that. <laughs> and I, I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to have a kick the beehive and end up uh, not that different than where, from where they are today for very rational, uh, uh, appropriate reasons. And others who talk about this selling direct, uh, and we've experienced with other manufacturers, when, when, the, when the moment of truth uh, finally arrives, um, they end up with a, what is basically a reservation listing order bank, which you can't even specify your in detail your vehicle with the manufacturer and it gets turned over to the dealer and the retailer uh, to take over but they sort of established a reservation reservation is the best word to describe what some of these selling direct things are now of course you have the Tesla model which is absolutely a sell direct model and you have other electric vehicle startups that are talking about it I think the Achilles heel in in that model is that you do not put in a service infrastructure. So the franchise system, in order to get a franchise, you have to invest in the facilities that you are going to care for the units that are operation in the marketplace. So if you're a startup, you don't need that on day one, but ultimately you need it. And I think it's uh, an Achilles heel and very expensive and, di and difficult to build subsequently but it's but if you're a startup it's your decision to go to market however you wish but i think the, i think the franchise model uh is the best for the manufacturer for the consumer 
And as a retailer, uh, if you're good at the business, uh, it can be a very uh, rewarding return. So I think it's viable, sustainable. And, um, you know, my and I was once one once a manufacturer on the manufacturer side. I mm-hmm. mean, you sit in the you sit in these meeting rooms and you dream all this stuff up. You throw it against the wall and see what sticks. I don't think this is going to stick. Uh, I'm not overly concerned about it. Uh, I will say, though, unequivocally, that retailers who have a proprietary digital capability, uh, unique tools that are very effective. Uh, have a significant competitive advantage. I think that's really the headline in all this. And uh, for us, it's global uh, 360 and equity mining, uh, some other fabulous tools that are just unlocking business for us every day. If you're competing against us and you're buying off-the-shelf manufacturer cookie-cutter tools to compete mm-hmm. in retail, you are really uh, – in a unsustainable position because you don't have the scale to go out and build your own tools. I mean, it. You know what we. You know, Adam, what we went through in 14, 15, and 16 to build these things. And I'm glad we did it, uh, especially with the inflection point that came. So I think that's driving. I think that's the headline for auto retail, and I think that's going to. I think you're going to see more buy sells, um, uh, and consolidation into bigger entities and the ultimate winners winners are those who have scale, a big brand, great experience, a uh, digital platform, oh, and, and the ability to do all that profitably. Mike, I just got fall, but I love you. And um, well, I, I just the only thing is I just wish you'd really tell me what you really think sometimes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, really don't mention your words. Oh, Adam, like you. Like you hold back, right? <laughs> um, all right. I want to put, at the risk of putting some napalm on the hornet's nest, here I go. Here we go, baby. So these dealer, fran- these state dealer franchise laws, I mean, don't you think they're past their sell-by date in some areas? Uh, like what if, just for the sake of discussion, if you're wrong and these startups aren't all going down some path where they say, just kidding, um, we, need, we need help, we're not going to go direct to consumer anymore, that was a bad idea. And, but let's say they actually do, and they start building their parts and collision stuff the way Tesla's doing and going service centers, and they'll have hiccups and stuff. Do we run the risk of having two classes of auto distribution? One where you got the new guys that actually had the option, and they might screw it up, but some won't of going direct, and then the others that are legally – kind of can't do it, and there may be things to do, but they just, they just kind of locked into the one. And I wonder if this reaches like FCC or Supreme, F, sorry, FTC or Supreme Court. Like, you really think that, that, it's, that those 60-year-old laws are just absolutely, they don't need any tweaking? They're just right for this moment in tech? Well, Adam, you, you've never seen AutoNation object. Yeah, uh, I know. Any of these startups, uh, it, it is really – their decision uh, how they want to go to market. And it's their decision, their responsibility, it's their capital, and you've never seen AutoNation protest that in any state or get involved in it. Now, um, where state franchise laws have a certain relevance and merit is when a manufacturer comes to us and says, okay, here's the deal, 
build this exclusive facility. Here's the key word, exclusive facility for us in this given market, and we're giving you a given territory in return for that exclusive investment. Well, uh, I'm going to eject if you make that deal with me and you put another one uh, uh, down the road for me a week later. Um, now, if you're not asking me to be exclusive, if you let me do what I want as a retailer, which is I'm going to be, build one great big mega facility delivery center and put everything in it under one roof, then I don't need franchise walls to, to uh, deal with that issue. But as long as you're asking for exclusivity, there has to be some protection on this exclusive investment that, that's been made. And, and, and there, franchise walls have relevance. But this whole campaign to block startup manufacturers from going direct, we are not involved in. And, and, it. and it's really their choice what they want to do. Thanks, Mike. All right, Adam. Good to talk to you. Talk to you. Again, to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from David Wilson with Morgan Star. Morning. The line is open. Thanks. Good morning. Um, I guess I know it's too early to talk about a star expectation for next year, but um, similar to what I think John was asking about on service, I mean, given the, the supply shocks we've had on, on new vehicles for a couple of years now, plus low interest rates, plus actually healthy demand, do you see a scenario for next year where sales could just ex new vehicle sales could just explode up? So again, the headline is there's far more demand than there is supply. So it's really uh, difficult to judge where where the level of demand is out there. I think the pandemic was a scarring event for America. I think shelter in place was a scarring event for America. And people have changed the way they live and they changed the the way they work because uh, of this pandemic. And I can remember as a kid meeting uh, my grandparents, which were unbelievably frugal, and I say, why don't you loosen up and spend a little money? And they would say, listen, you don't understand. You haven't been through the Great Depression. So I think this has been a scarring event on the psyche of America, and they think differently about their home. Uh, there's a there, there's concern about density. They want more space in their home. They want their home to be able to do more for them. And when they do leave their home, they want to control the vehicle that they're in to the greatest extent possible and who's been in it before them. So I don't really know where demand has gone because um, uh, this is a, the supply is restricted. Um, what what but. We should be careful here. What's I've never seen so much pre-selling of uh, shipments. Uh, we these vehicles are coming in and going out. If you want an indication of the level of demand, so people are buying up the pipeline uh, before they even get to the dealership. Um, and we've gone on our uh, digital platform, AutoNation, where we show now and market everything we have incoming, and we're selling incoming uh, vehicles that have been produced. Now, the predictability of arrival is not exact with disruptions in production, but it's amazing how many people are now uh, have changed the way they buy a vehicle in that sense. And again, that's all possible to do where our incoming pipeline is visible on a national basis. So uh, it would be... It's hard to predict on, and it's premature to 
to predict on 22. Well, I think I think I have a pretty good sight line for the rest of the year. That uh, the headline is uh, demand is high. Um, they want personal vehicle. They're willing to buy an incoming vehicle. They're willing to switch to a, a late modeled pre-owned, and the demand is across the board. And if you manage the business correctly, you can do very well in this environment. Thanks. And somewhat related to that question, then, is um, as you know, there's a balance between the amount of inventory you have and then your pricing power. And you talk about right now, you, you're you're sticking to getting the, the high front end growth, which I agree with. But at, just crudely speaking, do you want slightly more inventory than you have now? A lot more? Um, <laughs> or do you want to pay for this? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a, uh, careful what you wish for, and um, as I walk the stores, I, I hear that all the time. Uh, they say, "Oh, Mike, if you could, if, if we can only get some more cars, we would sell so many. It's just unbelievable." And I and I always say, "Well, be careful what you wish for." So, look, um, I have a very good sight line on on the rest of 21. I think the rest of the 21 is about as I described. Outstanding uh, demand, very attractive uh, interest rates and customer flexibility that they're willing to purchase incoming shipments in advance and they're willing to uh, switch over to pre-owned to, to, to get their personal vehicle. Okay, and this last question on the balance sheet. Uh, you have big mom maturities in, in both 24 and 25. They're only at 35 and 3.5%. The rates are quite low right now. Do you have any interest in perhaps buying either of those this year to send the timeline out beyond the 24 and 25? Joe, that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, not, not at this time. We continue to evaluate, but uh, not a priority in this current environment. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Jackson, I'll turn the call back over to you. Well, I want to thank uh, uh, you for joining us today, and all, uh, thank you for all your questions. And I also want to thank all our associates uh, who put on a mask every day and come to work. And imagine, just imagine, through this entire pandemic, on any given day, 95% of our associates were physically at work uh, to take care of our customers. And for that, I'm great, very grateful on this outstanding performance and four record quarters in a row would not be possible without 95% of our associates putting on that mask and coming to work. So we have 50% of them are vaccinated at this point. We're working hard that everyone who wants a vaccination can get it, and we look forward to the day that we don't have to wear masks. It's not here yet, but we look forward to that, to that day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Appreciate you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. <laughs>